Good afternoon, or should I say good evening? I know my mic's a little bit loud. I think Danny's going to work on that so it'll settle down eventually, but glad you are here. Glad you made the trek to come back out tonight in these ovenly-like temperatures. I checked the forecast before I got up here, and it looks like we may actually see the 90s sometime this week, so hang in there. It's going to get, it's going to get a little bit better. Just a brief announcement real quick. I wanted to reiterate one thing that Wayne said this morning. If you're planning on participating in the Lads to Leaders program, either through uh, your child signing up or perhaps being one of the mentors or event coordinators, I want to get you to really think about that and be praying about that good work. It does a lot of good things. Our kids love it, and we're hoping to plant seeds and develop that faith for them as early as we can and as early as possible. So, that meeting is a week from today. It's September 10th, right around 12 o'clock. We're going to have a potluck, and then we're going to chat about it. It'll be more of an informational sign-up type session. Answer any questions you may have, and we're hoping to hook you on the program itself to where we can get you to be a partner with us to help our kids out doing those good work. So please keep that in your prayers and be thinking about that as well. With that being said, I love this country. And I imagine you do as well. This country is wonderful. This country has unlimited blessings. And the freedom that we enjoy through this country is one of the things I think all of us as Christians hold very, very dear. If you know me, and most of you do know me, you know that I'm patriotic. On a scale of about 1 to 10, I think my patriotism is probably right around a 14 or so. I believe in the Second Amendment. I believe in the freedoms that we have. In fact, this is a picture of my front porch. As you can see there in the middle of my front porch, I've got a big American flag. I think American citizenship is something to be valued. I think it is a blessing that all of us enjoy tremendously. Now that I've said that, let me say this. There's something beyond that. There's something perhaps more important than that. There's something more eternal than that. There's something perhaps that we should enjoy and cherish even more than our American citizenship. Just for a few moments tonight, I want you to consider something a little bit more everlasting. Something a little bit more important. And I'm certainly not trying to diminish our American citizenship. You as well as I do know that there's many, many people wanting to come to our country to enjoy the freedoms that you and I have here. It's a wonderful blessing that you and I were lucky enough to be born in this country with the freedoms that we have. But I want you to think beyond that tonight. I want you to think more eternal, more everlasting, and more important on what it means to have a citizenship in heaven. A Christian's citizenship. Now, with that being said, I want to let you know that the lesson tonight is not about President Trump. It is not about his agenda. It is not about the wall he wants to build. It is not about immigration, in fact. It is not even about my beloved football players who seem to not be able to stand for the national anthem. Now, I have a pretty strong opinion about that, of which I'd be share, happy to share with you afterwards. But this lesson tonight is not about citizenship, American citizenship, the way that we think about it. It is about a Christian citizenship. And I want you to dig deeper. I want you to think longer. And I want you to think more everlasting about what the Bible has to say about this. 
Paul in particular has a lot to say about a Christian's citizenship. So in the time that we have together tonight, I want you to change your focus or change your mindset or change your thought process. Instead of thinking about earthly citizenship, I want you to think about this heavenly citizenship that Paul talks about in Philippians chapter 3. So in Philippians chapter 3, verses 17 and following, we have some information that Paul provides here. And by sake of introduction, and just to get us to segue into our lesson tonight, I want to read these verses here to whet our appetite and to get us to think about this citizenship that Paul is talking about. After we get done reading this, I want to give you some background knowledge. I want you to understand why he specifically talked about this citizenship. He has a lot to say to the church at Philippi here, and I want to break it down. And lastly, I want to make some application to us. I want us to understand why Paul is telling us about this citizenship. He's not telling us that things here aren't important. He's not telling us that we don't have to work hard while he's here. He's not telling us that school or buying a new car or owning a home is not important. He's letting us know that the priority that we should have, you and I should have as Christians, is to think about that heavenly citizenship, which is more, much more important in the long run. So with that being said, Philippians chapter 3, verses 17 through verses 21, let's read that together and then we'll make some comments. Philippians chapter 3. Verses 17 and following. Paul here says, Brothers, join me in imitating me, and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For many of whom I have often told you and now tell you even with tears, they walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction, their God is their belly, and they glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. Now here's our key verse, verse 20. But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like His glorious body by the power that enables Him even to subject all things to Himself. Let that sink in just for a minute. Just for a minute, think about what Paul is trying to to tell us here. And I want to break this down so we fully understand what Paul is trying to say here. Philippians has so, so much in it. The, the meat and potatoes, scripturally speaking, from Philippians has a tremendous amount of information here. And I won't do justice to it tonight, but I want to give you a taste on what he's trying to say and the message he's trying to give for us here. Just briefly, Paul writes to the church at Philippi here we can see how he's just oozing with emotion here. He just loves the church at Philippi. He longs to be with them. But there's a problem. Paul's in prison, likely in Rome at this time. So he can't be with them at this time. But he writes them to address them, to let them know how much he loves them, how much he's thinking about them, and to get them to think exactly where their citizenship needs to be. The theme here is the, the joy that they should have in serving Jesus. And if you haven't thought about that, I want you to think about that tonight. On occasion, we can get so bogged down with thinking about the hurricanes that are plaguing our country, or the wildfires, or some of the promiscuity, or some of the law issues, or some of the wars that are going on, or all of the negative aspects of our culture at this time. 
we forget how we have the opportunity, how we have joy in serving Jesus. Like being here tonight, in freedom, without any, any chance of, like Cliff said this morning, about our heads being chopped off from ISIS because we're meeting together as brothers and sisters in Christ and we're talking about God and we're attempting the very best we can to live it out in our life. There is joy in being like Jesus. And Paul is trying to express this theme here in this book. Chapter 1, Paul displays his love for the church. Again, he loves this church. He is kind of at this, this, this quandary here where he understands that it's about ready for him to, to die. He's done great things for God. He's done great things for Christ. And he wants to go on to that reward in heaven. He wants to go on to that final destination and earn that crown of life that all of us are seeking. But in chapter 1, he says he understands it's more meaningful, it's more beneficial for him to be here on earth. For him to be giving some guidance and some information to the churches because the book of Philippians isn't the only one that we have record of. He encourages many other churches, many other Christians. He's doing a lot of good things here on earth. So he's kind of has this, this inward battle, if you will, wanting to be with God eternally. But he understands there's a desire for him to be here. Then he emphasizes the need to live for Jesus. And he talks about that in chapters 2 and chapters 3 specifically. Chapter 2, Paul emphasizes Jesus' life as an example to follow. He talks about that repeatedly. He talks about how important it is that we are imitators of Jesus, that we make that a priority. And he gives one of the reasons finally in chapter 3, because our citizenship is in heaven. That's what we're going for. That's what we're attempting to obtain, living after Christ. And then he gets into chapter 3 where we are tonight. Paul gives a warning here. He immediately opens that chapter, gives a warning, and we'll talk about that in just a minute. He talks about his resume. He talks about if anybody knows what he's talking about, Paul would be that guy. He goes over his resume, which we're going to go over tonight. And last but not least, he gives us this reminder. He says all of these things for him to say, remember your citizenship. Remember who you belong to. Remember what's important in life. Those are the things we need to make sure we remember. I want to start tonight as we develop our lesson in Philippians chapter 3, looking at right around verse 4. We'll come back to verses 2 and 3 in a minute, but right around verse 4, as I've already mentioned, Paul talks about this resume. You know, if you're like me, you, you have a resume. You talk about all this, these, these cool things you've done, all these successes you have, all this effort you've put into life, whether it be job experiences or skills or education. You have all of these things that you attempt to condense on one piece of paper for your for entire 45 years of existence like me, and you're trying to impress somebody. So that way you can get that job, or you can be part of that organization, or you can do something fulfilling that you want to do. Well, Paul does something similar here. He gives us his resume in chapter 3 and verse 4. And he goes over these things in chapter 3 and verse 4, and he talks about being circumcised on the eighth day. He talks about having all of these things which are necessary from an earthly standpoint that are important. Now, if you have boys like I do, you understand this process of circumcision. That roughly a week after they're born, they go back in for this procedure for health reasons to make sure that they're going to be okay. Well, back in the Old Testament, under the Old Covenant, it meant something a little bit different. There were some health reason considerations that were here but it also meant that you were a believer. You were following that covenant, that Jewish covenant. 
It showed that God was a priority to you, and you wanted to be identified as that. So Paul is starting out saying, remember the Jewish law, remember the Old Covenant, on the eighth day, not later on in life like some people did, but on the eighth day, to a T, I kept that law. So he starts going over all these things on what he's done. And again, he's showing us that he is that guy. He is that expert. If there was anything physical on earth that was success-oriented, he's accomplished that. He goes on by saying he was of the people of Israel. Remember the people of Israel, the children of Israel? We've spent a lot of time in the Old Testament talking about their importance, coming out of Egypt, going to the Canaan land, conquering that. He was of those people. And he goes on to further say that he was of the tribe of Benjamin, and we remember the tribe of Benjamin, that's who produced Saul, the first king. So he's given all these accolades on how important of a person culturally, education-wise, ethnically, he was. Hebrew of Hebrews. He talks about his education. We find out in Acts that he was actually studying at the feet of a very prominent person, Gamaliel. We see that he had access to these things where he was very educated. He kept the law. He was a Pharisee. If you remember, a Pharisee was one that was very strict and very educated, someone who was an expert of the covenant, the old law, the law of Moses. He was that guy. He understood all these things. He's saying, I'm not uneducated. I come from the right people. I come from the right stock. I have the right information. All of these things I possess. He says, and with that information, he was very zealous. We see before he became Paul, when he was Saul, he was actually persecuting the church. He was hunting down people who were believers. So he had this this zealousness attached to him. It says he was righteous under the law. He was blameless. He was one of those guys when we studied the, uh, the Old Covenant regarding being a Pharisee. He was one of those guys that was literally taking a tenth of everything he would have owned. So he's making the spaghetti sauce for the family meal at night. He's taking a tenth of the oregano, a tenth of the salt, a tenth of the pepper, all the way down to the smallest minute detail. He was keeping that law because he understood it was important. That's how he was raised. That's what he believed at the time. So Paul again is saying that I am that guy. If anybody was successful in this life, if anybody had any kind of status in this life, I'm that guy. I totally understand all of these things. Now, after he's saying all these things, he says this. Philippians chapter 3, verses 7 and 8, he said, despite all of these successes, but whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. For this sake I have suffered the loss of all things, and I count them as rubbish, in order that I may gain Christ and be found in Him. So he's saying all of these things didn't matter. All of these things were rubbish. All of these things did not measure up against being that citizen of heaven, being right with God, being that follower, that faithful follower of Jesus Christ. I want you to look at this word here. Rubbish. You can see how I have that underlined. I want you to understand in the Greek here, Paul uses a very crude word here. Your versions may say garbage. Uh, your versions may say dung. This word here specifically means animal feces or something thrown or given to the animals. He isn't just saying that all of these accomplishments or his resume mean nothing. It's beyond nothing. He's saying it's basically animal feces or it's rubbish or it's something you would completely discard and give to the animals. He's saying it's beyond nothing. It was completely worthless. Again, he's drawing this reference here and this analogy and this comparison to following God, 
looking at your eternal citizenship as being much more important than the earthly endeavors he himself possessed. Much more important. We continue here by looking at what I call the command. In Philippians chapter 3 and verse 17 here, we have what I call the command, which is what we just read here earlier. He says, Brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. Brothers, join in imitating me. He's writing to this church in Philippi who he loves very much. He's giving them a command or a reminder here, letting them know, I know there's bad things out there. I know there's problems. I know there's things to be concerned about. But you need to be watchful of what you're doing. Look, look at me. You ever been in a situation when you're dark outside? You have that flashlight going, probably outside taking the trash out, which is usually what happens to me. I forget to put shoes on. I've got the flashlight. And I'm having to be very watchful about going down the driveway, going down the path, going down to where my trash cans are so I don't stub my feet, so I don't get hurt, so I don't get lost. This is what he's saying. Be imitators here. Keep your eye on the prize. Watch what you're doing. Pay attention. Be meaningful with what you're doing. He's giving them encouragement here, and he's giving them a command to remember what specifically is important. Be imitators like me, and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. And then he tells us why here. He gives them a warning. He lets them know for many of whom I have often told you and now tell you even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. We can see here there are many that were among them whether they were in the church, whether they were outside the church, it doesn't say specifically, who have often said and often told you now, he's telling them with tears, you can see this heartfelt emotion, he loves them very much. Letting them know there are those out there who are enemies of the cross of Christ, who's going to work against you, who are going to try to be those stumbling blocks or those challenges against you. Which is why he tells them, be imitators of Christ. Keep your eyes on the target. Think about that heavenly citizenship. In verse 20 he finally says, that is the goal. Don't be dumb discouraged with all of these here. You can cross-reference that with chapter 3 and verse 2. Chapter 3 and verse 2, we didn't read it, but look at it real quickly. Chapter 3 and verse 2, he starts out here in chapter 3 again with the same warning, referring to these same individuals. Look out for the dogs. Again, a derogatory term. Someone who is not a believer here. Look out for the evildoers. Look out for those who mutilate the flesh. There were those out there who still wanted to take portions of the old law and bring it in, saying in order to be to be Christ-like in order to be a faithful follower of Jesus, you still had to be circumcised. You still had to do things that were contrary to what Jesus was talking about and likewise what Paul was talking about as an imitator as well. There are those people that are out there warning them to be like that. Now, if you're like me, you like to know the why. I really like when Paul and others give us the why. Why do we need to know this? Why do we need to be on the lookout? In chapter 3, verse 19, he gives us the why here. He says, Their end is destruction. Their God is their belly, and they glory in their shame with ends set on earthly things. In a nutshell, basically what he is saying is they're going to get their reward here. Those fleshly desires, the things that they're pursuing that are going to give them earthly or worldly gratification, that selfishness, those desires, that's their end. That's their shame. That fills their belly. It's not going to accomplish that citizenship in heaven that we're all supposed to be going for. They're going to have this temporary filling, this temporary uh, desires and this temporary fulfillment here on earth. He tells us the why. Their destruction, the filling their bellies, their glory and their shame, their ends are going to be set here on earthly things. And if we pause there just for a minute to think about those things, sometimes we can get so trapped 
into thinking like this. Sometimes we can think about, well, if we just work a little bit harder and we get that overtime that comes in, then we'll be able to do this. We'll be able to take this vacation. We'll be able to buy that new car. We'll be able to do some of maybe some of the materialistic things that sometimes preclude us from living, looking towards that physical or that earthly citizenship we have in heaven. Now, please don't misunderstand. I mean, there's nothing wrong with buying a car. There's certainly nothing wrong with working overtime. There's certainly nothing wrong with trying to provide for your family. All of that is absolutely necessary because we live here on this earth. The problem that arises when our focus turns and our priority turns and becomes an idol to those things that are here and the gratification, the selfishness that is here as opposed to that earthly, I'm sorry, that heavenly citizenship we're all supposed to be striving for. This is the warning. This is the why. This is the commandment that he's giving us. And then he follows up by saying this. I know the blue is a little bit hard to see, but I tried to go with a, a red, white, and blue theme. That, so you, if you can see it, I hopefully you can. It talks about the reminder here in verse 20. Again, but our citizenship is in heaven. And from it, if we await Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, and it goes on to talk about how important that is here. I want you to let that sink in again. Our citizenship is in heaven. Can you think of a better place to be? Can you think of a better membership to obtain? You know, I in my personal life have worked very hard to obtain some of the things educationally that I've, that I've gotten, um, professionally that I've arrived at. But to say you have a citizenship that's in heaven, that we belong to God, that He belongs to us, He cares for us, that we're His children, He is our Father, that someday, at an unknown time, we're going to be able to live with Him forever in the most wonderful place that's ever been designed. It's been designed especially for us. I can't think of a better place. I can't think of something that should be more reassuring and more compassionate and more encouraging for us. And this is what Paul is telling us. There's a warning. There's bad people out there. Make sure you walk like you're supposed to. Make sure you keep your mindset where it needs to be. Make sure you're constantly striving to live like Jesus. He's the one who is our example. Don't be selfish here on this earth. Keep your perspectives, your priorities where they need to be because our citizenship is in heaven. And from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now I mentioned my resume. I have it up here on the screen for you. And as I talk about it just briefly, I want you to insert your own accomplishments here. I want you to insert some of the things you've accomplished. All of us have a resume. All of us have these successes here on earth that we've accomplished. Up here I've got some skills that I have, or at least I wrote them down. I have some professional experience. And I have some education down here. Licenses, certificates, awards. This is something we would typically turn into a job. We would give it to somebody because we want to be hired. We would give it to somebody to become a member of an organization. But Paul tells us, he tells us none of this is important. Our focus, our priorities should not lie with the things that we have here on this earth. Now again, we understand the importance of having a job. We understand the importance of paying the bills. In order to get that job, you have to have the education or the skills. You've got to have all of these things, and we understand that, but separate them and understand the priority needs to lie with our citizenship in heaven. Make sure that those selfish desires or those worldly influences or sometimes those accomplishments we put so much effort into while we're here on earth, let's make sure that they don't keep us from losing that citizenship in heaven. Well, now that we've said this, now that Paul has given us all this information, 
what do we do with it? How can we apply it to us? Well, I've broken it down to three very easy things that are easier said than done, obviously, but things I think we need to keep in perspective when it comes to living the Christian life. First of all, make God your priority. Well, that sounds easy enough, doesn't it? Making God our priority, that's what we're all trying to do. But what does that mean? Everything, every day, everywhere, with everyone, God needs to be our priority. Our time, our finances, our efforts, our language, what we do, what we think about, what we say, all of those things need to fully encompass like what Paul said, making sure that we're following after Jesus. We're being imitators of Jesus. Make God that priority. Because there will come a day, there will come a time when that time is over. When we no longer can make God that priority. Our time here on earth is going to be done. And then we know that we're going to make judgment at some point. We're going to have to give an account of everything that we've done, all the things that we've failed to do. So let's make God a priority why we live here on this earth and we have the ability and time to do it. Take joy in serving Jesus. Again, we've talked about this. It is a wonderful thing to be able to serve Jesus. It is a wonderful thing to be able to do something positive for others. To tell the good news about Jesus Christ to others. Freely share it. Freely talk about it. Freely get your influence and your desires and your examples out there. If it's as simple as one of the deacons needing a prayer or they need something filled in, be that, be that guy that walks up and says, I'll do it. Any way I can serve Jesus. There's joy in serving Jesus. If there's a financial need, if there's some other kind of need, if there's anything we can do to fulfill that requirement that we have, let's be joyous about it. Paul said that there's great joy in serving Jesus. He's sitting in prison writing this letter telling other people to be joyous. It's hard to wrap your mind around that, but this is what he's doing in the book of Philippians. He's in prison, but he's telling other people to be joyful. You would think it'd be the other way around. Thinking, hey, hang in there, Paul. It's going to get better. But he's telling other people to be joyous. Think about being joyous. Think about serving, uh, serving others in Jesus, taking great joy in that. And last but not least, remember your heavenly citizenship. When you're thinking about things that may be troubling, or you're watching the news like I tend to do way too often, and I, I think, why is this going on? And why is that law being passed? And why do these things keep happening? We need more God in our culture. Well, I, I think we definitely do. And I think that being an American citizen is a wonderful, wonderful, tremendous blessing, and I think that we should be very proud of being in America. That's my humble opinion. But even more important is our citizenship in heaven. If you start looking through those glasses, as opposed to the desires sometimes we have here on this earth, if you start looking through the glasses of, well, what would God think? What would God think about this? If I'm, am I truly working towards that citizenship in heaven by the words that I'm saying, by the actions that I'm doing, by the time that I'm committing to this activity, I think it's going to change our mindset a little bit. I think it's going to change our influence, our example, the way that we look about things. So like I said as we started this, I like this country. I love this country. I'm patriotic. But I think a Christian citizenship needs to be more than just this. It needs to be thinking about our heavenly citizenship as well. The lesson is yours. If you are here this morning and you have not yet done your citizenship, or perhaps you're here this morning or tonight and you actually have stepped away and kind of given up your heavenly citizenship, I want you to reconsider that tonight. I want you to reconsider and really think about where you are with your relationship with God. 
If you want to be baptized and you want to start down that, that road to, to getting your heavenly citizenship, we can do that tonight if you're ready. If you believe. If you are uh, ready to repent, you've changed your life, you're ready to publicly confess Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. We can baptize you tonight. You can start that road towards your heavenly citizenship. Or perhaps you're here tonight and again you've given up that citizenship for whatever reason. Let me get you to rethink about your experience, about your relationship. Let's make it right tonight. Because again, we don't have any kind of idea of how many opportunities past tonight we're going to have. So think about this very carefully and very honestly while we stand and while we sing.